0: Here's the big question.
1: Rigging the Game Podcast. If
0: you're looking to change your family tree, redefine an industry, reach new limits, or live an unconventional life, how are are you setting yourself up to guarantee this will happen? This podcast is going to cut through all the cliche, cookie cutter, and conventional recommendations about finance, business, and life and give you the tips you need to get the outcomes you want while playing your game. I'm Dan Nicholson, and this is, is, is the Rigging the Game Podcast. Rigging the Game. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the reading the Game podcast. Today's special guest is Andrew S. Kaplan. Andrew is uh, multi-hyphenate here. He's the host of the popular Shatter the Mold podcast. He's also a multi-time best-selling author. His first book was It Doesn't Matter What You're Selling, and his most recent bestseller is The Last Law of Attraction Book You'll Ever Need to Read. Andrew's got a really interesting uh, background. He was a former marketing intern at at the WWE and has gone on to do a a wide range of things. And uh, I think you're gonna enjoy this discussion with Andrew S. Kaplan, thanks. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Rigging the Game. I've got an awesome, awesome guest today, Andrew S. Kaplan from the Shatter the Mold podcast. And he's also got a great new book out called It Doesn't Matter What You're Selling. Andrew,
1: thanks for jumping on. Excited to be here, Dan. Thanks so much for having me, man. So
0: maybe let's just jump right into it. So Shatter the Mold, where does that, where does that name come from?
1: Yeah, it's, it's so funny. When, when I made the decision that I want to have a platform and, and see how I can reach and help people with a podcast, I knew that I wanted to go in a direction of exiting groupthink and not just doing it like everyone else, not thinking like anyone else, being able to see different perspectives and different angles. And my first idea, it was going to be called Breaking the Mold and obviously you know you come up with a name or come up with anything you got to do some research and and a quick google search showed me that that podcast um had already existed in fact a bunch of podcasts had that name so i kind of took that as my cue it's like all right well if that already exists let me just step it up and the escalated version is rather than just break the mold it's shatter the mold and that's how i decided on that name and that's pretty much the perspective that I like to take with it. Because again, I just want to give people a new way of looking at things so that they can make better decisions and wiser decisions that will help them everywhere in their life, whether it's business, health, relationships, whatever that might be.
0: Escalated version. I like that. There's some thought process that you went through, I think, underpinning this idea. You found, found something that already existed, and then you went, how can I escalate this? Maybe break that down a little bit. Was is, is there a framework that you used or a way that you think about things that kind of led you to, to go with, I want to escalate this.
1: Well, so there's, I don't know if you've ever seen a South Park, but like years back, they they had like this running gag for an episode where every time they tried to do something original, some kid called out like Simpsons did it already. And (laughs) I think it's, it's kind of, it's, it's funny and it's ironic. And like so many things have already been thought of. So you might want to expect that like when you're kind of coming up with ideas and you're brainstorming on how you want to do something, especially when it comes to business, you need to be prepared for the fact that someone may have already thought of it before. Worse yet, they may have already registered a .com, even if they're not going to do something with it. So really, the escalation is more about flexibility Mm -hmm. and having a recognition and an expectation that it's not going to be perfect. Your idea might not be there waiting for you when you get there. So if you're going to go in a direction that's different than what's like, available to you, you might as well go more aggressively and more ambitiously because uh, the last thing you want to do is go backwards and, and be more timid about your approach.
0: Hmm. I'm sort of picking up maybe some of your own st- styles in, in business. And I know in your, in your book, it doesn't matter what you're selling, you've got this piece on bulletproof mindset. Does this all sort of intersect with that, with that framework that you've put together?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in the end, everything uh, GOAT comes together. And I think if you pay attention to anybody, whether they're right or wrong, if you pay attention to anybody that has a well-laid-out uh, system of thought, it's it's going to be obvious that it's la- it's so well-laid-out because they've thought about it for so long, and so many parts of their life have informed the decisions that they've made. So it's kind of a thing where, for better or worse, everything I do – Affects everything else and is affected by everything else, and that's just based on my own personal wins and losses that I've had in my own life that I try to apply whenever I'm doing something new.
0: Awesome, awesome. You just mentioned uh, wins and wins and losses, and whenever I hear someone use that language, I think that maybe there's something that's that's top of mind that really has uh, specifically informed you. Is there anything that that you would say has been sort of the the biggest win or biggest loss that has uh shaped the, the sort of mindset and uh way that you think about uh, reverse engineering things
1: i think i think there's so many ways for me to even interpret that and and come up with an answer uh, i'll say this i'll I'll use a very blaringly obvious example of of a loss just because i think it might serve as a good teaching moment for people so a couple of years ago i was putting together Um, I was, I've been in different spaces, different marketing, different niches, and I was putting together a, um, an information product that was going to show men how to get more dates on dating apps with women that they've already matched with by actually being authentic. So it was this weird, um, irony or paradoxical thing where I was giving them, um, instruction on how to be more authentic, but it actually like, it's a long story of how it works, but it worked, it worked really well. Mm -hmm. And I spent literally like months and a lot of time and energy basically structuring uh, this whole marketing campaign around it. And I had everything perfect and and there was no way it could have missed. And then finally comes a day for me to launch it, which I did on Facebook, doing Facebook ads. And within a half hour of putting everything out there, I got flagged by Facebook because their terms of service say that you're not allowed to advertise a dating app which was kind of funny to me because I was not selling a dating app. I was selling an info product on how to do well on a dating app that I didn't own, mm-hmm. but it was a lesson how, you know, terms of use and, and rules and regulations and things that you get told, you can't necessarily rely on that. And it was my business mistake of not testing the waters first and trying a little something on Facebook just to drum up interest Just to see if that was going to happen to me before investing all this time and energy, and because I would have learned quick. And and the funny thing is, like I was like the account got banned. I got no play. I wasn't able to make anything happen. Which to me, more than the money that I lost and the opportunity cost, I was literally like frustrated because I knew this was going to help a bunch of guys out, especially when we live in a world where there's a stigma that guys are fake and and that they're that there's so much negativity around it. I was like, this is gonna be my way of contributing to the opposite viewpoint and the opposite result.
0: Yeah, I think if I'm digesting what I, what I heard from that uh, anecdote is this idea that before we go all in and we spend months and months trying to develop something and fully research, let, let's go out and just test and see what's yes. gonna work, what's gonna break. Maybe it's terms of service, maybe it's something else.
1: And And also, which I definitely could have done in this situation, you know if you already know that what you have works, you could still get the customers before you make the product. because if it, even if it does work, and even if I got that perfect campaign out on Facebook, if no one bought it, it's like, why should I've even wasted all that time and energy on producing and editing the videos and having everything like lined up perfectly? Dude, I, I created seventy plus videos. That spanned 13 hours after it was all added together. I mean, I, I put together a monster to say nothing of the VSL, and it was all for nothing. And even if it went through, if, if my marketing was off for some reason, it still would have been off for nothing. Where I could have just as easily pre-sold it, brought people through a live training, and then later converted it to a more recorded product.
0: Yeah, this is really a great example of sort of the departure from the conventional business approaches that's all about maximization you know, in business school. It's what's your business plan? Have we created all of the collateral? Do we have this like well thought out marketing campaign? You're doing so much sort of pre-work before you lead into this big launch. And again, that works in the the maximize mindset where we've taken calculated risks and we have a bunch of data that's already out there. But in the small business case, we wanna get out there and, and test stuff and iterate quickly. We, we, can't spend the months and months. That's at least yeah. the takeaway that I'm, I'm, I'm sort of extrapolating from, from that story.
1: Absolutely. And it is important to acknowledge, at least I, I'm sure you would agree with me, like I realize it's not necessarily always easy to test. That in and of itself is an investment, but it's a much wiser investment than putting all your eggs in one basket, not really knowing how things are going to shape out if you're wrong.
0: Can you expand on what you mean by "it's not always easy to uh, test"?
1: Well, think about it. Well, we'll, let's do this in the context of a business, like you said, that may be smaller, maybe just starting out. You might not have enough financial resources to really put enough money behind advertising campaigns to even give you useful data. You know, you think about it. If you get uh, fifty clicks on something, is that even enough of a of a data set? To really be able to determine if you've got a high converting marketing campaign or not. So I think I, I, I have to appreciate, I think we all have to appreciate the fact that when you're starting out, even on that level, you might not have the money or sometimes the time if you're if you're doing a side hustle and you've got a nine to five in the meantime, you might it might not be as easy to just do this testing, even though it is so absolutely vital in order to be successful.
0: Interesting. Yeah, great great observation. Seems to be the common thread in in what I've uh, read about you and listening to your podcast is is sort of this. Take it. You're taking information from a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different concepts, bringing bringing it all kind of together into whatever tactic or whatever thing you're trying to solve.
1: Yes, and. I think it's a, it's very important to be able to draw from different niches and different experiences, and and just because in the end everything is life, and you know getting back to that dating app product, you know before that, um, people might remember this book that was written, I think back in two thousand three or two thousand four, called The Game by Neil Strauss, mm-hmm. and it was him like as this huge nerd who learned these pickup tactics, and because he came at it from like a A student like you know academic approach he took over the game because he really he was very dedicated to how he did it and one of the lessons he said is like everything that he learned as he was picking women up and he then was taking those skills and applying it to giving um, getting better interviews out of people because he was a journalist in his regular life and he was basically saying like everything is game like everything in life is related in the end whether you're getting money or not, whether you're in business for yourself or not, you're always selling yourself to people on some level. Even if it means you're online at the supermarket and you have to convince the cashier to swipe a coupon that's been expired for a week. Every single thing that you do, every interaction, every article you read, every data set, every influence that you have around you, whether you like it or not, these all coalesce into this one big you know, life view and, a, and life approach to whatever you're doing. So the best thing that you can do is identify this, recognize it, appreciate it, so that you can hopefully use it more to your advantage and not fall into tracks and not be uh, socially programmed as easily as other people might be.
0: Yeah, you mentioned when we were talking about how you came up with sort of the Shatter the Mold, the name of your podcast, sort of this recognition that there's a lot of ideas that are already out there, and who knows, the name that you come up with, May already exist and and you've got to pivot and and uh information is is uh, is really uh, <clears throat> really fluid, and so there's sort of this like the answers are already out there to a large degree and a lot of the problems that I think we're trying to solve if we can pivot and look to another industry
1: yes, yes, and by the way there's there's a bit of a side danger that the answers are out there because. We have access to so much information, including free information, and, and that poses two issues. Number one is if you get it for free, you might not appreciate it, meaning you might not implement it the way you should. But number two, because there's so much information out there, the information that you pick may also end up being wrong. So it's almost the thing where if you can, if you have financial resources, you almost want to look for information that costs a certain amount of money that's reputable, that's well-reviewed, that leads to results. Because, you know, if you can get free information, fine, but don't stake too much on it. You never know if you might just be getting, like you say, like a cookie cutter version of something that doesn't even do the job that it's supposed to do or deliver on the promise that it made.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's, that's uh, super valuable. And there's a parallel to some degree too, of this idea of just, Paying for things, you're just more committed to the outcome. And Absolutely, events as well, where a free event the attendance is often lower than a paid event. Even if someone only paid five or ten dollars, just because they're they're more committed to it.
1: Without a doubt, and it's funny, I not not too long ago. I I did a favor for a friend and I agreed to get on a, on a free call. Cause I mean, I, in addition to the podcast and the book, like I, I do copywriting for people and I do marketing consultations and I write social media. I keep very busy. I keep my head in this game and I agreed to hop on a call with somebody for free. And I was basically going to break down his whole sales funnel, which in my opinion, absolutely sucked. And I had, I had such valuable information based on real experience that was going to get this guy a huge win and probably take him to six figures if he knew how to implement. But because it was free and because I did someone a favor, the guy no-showed the call. He never heard my feedback. And it's not like I was going to take the time and energy to like type it out for him. So this guy, because I didn't charge, um, just didn't care enough to show up and he missed out on like valuable, brilliant information that could turn his whole business around. And instead, unless he does something else with somebody else, he's going to waste more years of his life on a horrible sales funnel because he obviously doesn't know what he's doing. And again, that that may sound egotistical, but it's more like this academic view of he didn't pay for me or somebody else he didn't pay for anybody. Therefore he did not care enough to get good information and use it.
0: Yeah. And let's, let's jump into the whole social media angle since you were just kind of sharing the example of, uh, the person you were going to do a favor for, what are you seeing out there that's that's uh, working and maybe maybe better? What's not working?
1: Well, it's it's a very weird time because we're we're on the cusp of a lot of changes. Um, right now, today, what's working or, or what can work? Um, basically, LinkedIn will work and Facebook and Facebook will work and Twitter and Instagram. All these things will work, but they all require a slightly tweaked approach. They all require a recognition of the format that you're in and the format that people are used to getting your message in. But by that same token, in the end, regardless of what format that you're in, a lot of this always comes down to just positioning. Like before you can sell anybody anything, you've got to be an authority. So you've got to be able to demonstrate whether it's over a short period of time or a long period of time or whatever works that, you know what you're talking about, that your stuff gets, gets results, that your information is valid and not just some rehashed, recycled garbage that you ripped off of somebody else. So it all comes down to understanding the format, um, regardless of, of what platform you're on and making sure that you're clear on your positioning. But by the same token, um, you know i'll i'll be I'll tread lightly as I say this because um it isn't about politics, but I do notice that there's a lot of censorship going on with social media right now, um even when like you go into like the youtube and and Facebook and Twitter and things like that and um While right now on the surface, a lot of newspapers are recording it as like um, conservatives being censored and things of that nature. It's actually going deeper and it's more of like independent voices are going to be censored regardless of whether you're on the left or right. And what this is going to lead to, I believe, is decentralized platforms kind of springing up. So I would say use what you know today and, and refine what you can. But be ready for when society makes a jump to something more decentralized and make sure that you have a business model in place that can monetize that. Because like YouTube, for example, when people leave YouTube, they're going to be leaving that platform where they're making money based on views. And they have to have another way in a sales funnel and a way of guiding people to a completely different sales page if they go and have different videos on different sites.
0: Is there a a timeline that you see this? this trending tours? Is there a specific thing you expect will sort of be the, the final domino?
1: Well, I'll say it's it's going to pick up over the next one to three years. And again, not, not to get too political, but just, again, life is everything and you got to recognize the world around you because we're now in the 2020 election cycle. And because people have vested interests, or they have a viewpoints of vested interests, whether they're true or not, um, because there's going to be a lot of people getting shut down on these platforms now, you're already going to start to see a migration over the next one to three years. And I'm not sure how it's going to shape out when all of said and done. It's not like YouTube's going to vanish overnight. But there's going to come a point where people are going to view uh, – the way people view MySpace now compared to Facebook – they're going to view Facebook and YouTube as just as antiquated to this decentralized solutions at some point. And even now people identify like Facebook as a lot of older people are on that. Like people that are old feel comfortable on Facebook, that, but they would never go on Snapchat. Um, so there's going to be decentralized options out there over the next one to three and definitely three to five years that really take prominence. So now is a good time to start strategizing and thinking about how you can monetize that and embraces that your business not only survives but also thrives
0: any linchpin strategies that you're recommending to your clients you feel comfortable sharing
1: um you mean for the future for the present because again like the present um positioning still like in the present time like just being able to deliver high quality content and value that people can utilize and then Intermixing that with things that you're actually selling and offering in the middle like that still works in terms of the future Just keep in mind that these decentralized things. They they won't pay out the way YouTube pays out So you want to make sure that like if you're selling products you you kind of embed that in your video so like a good example, um, I, I Love keeping track of different entrepreneurs, but like just I'll use YouTube as an example like this guy on YouTube Jake Ducey he teaches law of attraction so you go to his videos, if you're really into law of attraction, you're really into that mindset. But what he does in the midst of his lessons is he always finds a way of interjecting his specific product that is in harmony with the conversation. So even if he wasn't on YouTube, even his videos were someplace else, he would still be having this content that people flock to and still guiding them off that platform onto his own sales page and his own sales funnel. So that's what you want to do. You want to be able to account for a way that you have a sales funnel that you could guide people toward without being too salesy while like you're still delivering value. You're still demonstrating authority. You're still proving to them that if they do buy from you, your free stuff works. So obviously the paid stuff is also going to work.
0: Yeah, There's, there's two things that just jumped to mind. in as I'm hearing you, you speak one is the concept of uh, running multiple races. So mm. Oftentimes, folks just want to train train for one thing, right? It's like, I've got a marathon coming up, I just want to train for that. But the reality in life is that there's probably going to be another race after that. And so to some degree, you're running like the Facebook race, but it's, what you're predicting is this decentralized future. And so uh, we don't stop running the Facebook race or YouTube or whatever we're using, but we also need to start running the other race that's out there in the future and uh, be sufficiently Prepared for that, and in some regard, how do we to use another somewhat metaphor? How do we split our aces? So we've got this awesome YouTube channel that's crushing it, and the example of embedding uh, a link—we're somewhat kind of splitting, splitting our aces to use this metaphor and driving people to uh, to the to our
1: site. And right. Well, to to answer that first part, the the second part first, like how to drive people. Um, you basically want to structure your message so that the video and the product complement with one another, one another, rather than competing with one another, meaning, you know, here's your video content of the day. And by the way, one thing that you might find useful is product X. That's going to support the idea that I just gave you. That's by the way, helpful in and of itself. I'm just giving you this other option to buy because it's a higher, more escalated level. If you want to get more results based on whatever the niche is. Um, but a piece of that also that you 're talking about you know running different races the the challenge here is you 've got schools of thought where it 's like pick one social media platform and just do that right rather than spreading yourself too thin across everything and I think the main thing is there needs to be some level of diversification on on what you 're doing, but you also have to really be very self aware and cognizant of your energy levels and balance because you should, you should be doing more than one thing, but only insofar that it doesn't burn you out. Because if you get burned out, you're not even going to do one platform correct to say nothing of multiple ones. This is why a good approach to have is a sound business strategy that will work across different platforms with minor tweaking, if possible, rather than having to go through four or five completely different strategies that have their own mechanics, that have their own level of effort and time that you have to put into it.
0: Incremental shifts you've got your baseline, and let's, if I'm digesting it correctly, instead of having a completely different strategy or messaging approach for Instagram versus Facebook, let's have a core strategy and then have incremental shifts for each platform. Is that sort of what you're suggesting?
1: If possible, absolutely. And like even example, like I'm, (laughs) I am not um, Lord of Instagram, and, and I haven't done much of it. But right now, the way my Instagram account works is, rather than do photos the way other people do photos, is I have uh, little quotes, a little sound bites that become the photo. And then, in the post, I expound on that message. So, um, like for example, I might have a thing where, I'm actually trying to pull it up to see if there's, there's a useful one I can give you on the fly here. Um, but you can hear as, as I'm describing it, obviously. So, 26 words to live by in business. That's what the actual photo says. But then if people click into the photo, the actual thing that I expounded on is I say, if you're looking for a dependable, predictable, and consistent growth in your business, then you're gonna need a dependable, predictable, and consistent formula to achieve it. So I gave people the little tease to see what it is and gave them a statement of truth, but then I gave them more relevant information. Now, that doesn't mean it's the right way to go, But that is one example of the fact that I've taken content there. I've put it on Instagram that I can translate into a LinkedIn post or a Facebook post with slight teak with slight tweaking that doesn't actually need the photograph, but they're still all in harmony with one another and they're still on brand for what I'm teaching people.
0: That's great. I just had one other topic that I wanted to kind of drill into a little bit more, because I think it's nicely connected to the concept of this show, which is, playing your style and business and trying to set yourself up so that you win, you get the outcomes that you want. And in your, in your book, it doesn't matter what you're selling. One of the the topics I know is, is uh, developing storytelling that speaks to their biology. Mm. And I really love that piece about speaks to their biology because I, I think it aligns kind of with, with playing your game and, and, uh, so, I'd love to just sort of hear more about that strategy and and uh, kind of what what that means to you.
1: Absolutely. And you know here's the really, really cool thing. <sighs> storytelling is a lot harder to screw up than most people think. And if you just keep it like even the most basic, basic version or format of your storytelling, you are automatically going to speak to their biology. And because what I mean by that is um, for, for countless years, you can go back to drawings on caves, we have been programmed even to a point through our genetics where we just you, we view storytelling as an authoritative yet entertaining way of receiving information. So the best way that you can sell somebody on an idea is by giving it to them and presenting it to them through story because they have been biologically programmed at this point after all these years and, and all this evolution to receive that in a, very, in a very open way. And even if the biology part, like tossing that aside, they've been socially programmed to receive it that way because when you tell someone the story... Whether they like it or not, on some level, they are being taken back to when they were six or seven years old, sitting down around a TV or a campfire or whatever version of of fun might be for them, hearing something and looking to the source of that story as an authority, whether it was an actual adult speaking to them or a television or whatever it might be. So really the whole lesson here is you want to find ways of, of adding and embedding storytelling into your marketing because it gets the message across so much more, which is why if somebody asks you if your product is easy to use, sure, yes, it's easy to use, it's a nice response, but an even better response is, well, yes, and it's funny you, tell, it's funny you ask that because let me tell you about customer X from last month who had the same question and had the same problem, and here's the result that they got. By giving that story and answering it in that way, you're really hammering home the point that you wanna make. So you want storytelling that demonstrates your thing is easy to use, You want storytelling that anchors the price in a better way and shows them how great of a deal that they have going on. You want storytelling that really amplifies the scarcity of what you have to offer so that they're more motivated to buy. You want storytelling for all these things. And again, it doesn't have to be complicated. It'd be very easy and very basic in order to pull off.
0: Awesome. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you?
1: Yeah, um, best way to find me is Shattered the Mold podcast. Uh, you can stream the the show from there. You can reach out to me if you want to hire me. And of course, if you're interested in the book, while well, you can find it on Amazon for your convenience, I posted a fast link on that site right there. So yeah, shadow mold should be an easy way to learn more about me and, and thank you for that.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much.
1: Cool. And thanks to your uh, listeners. I'm hoping they got something out of this and, uh, excited to hear more and see where things go.
0: For Sure thank you so much for tuning in to the rigging the game podcast you can find show notes and much much more at www.riggingthegame.com and remember you get to set the rules for how you play this game of life so if you make the rules why not rig the game to win?